Well, hello and welcome to this week's Countryside programme here on Make Sure You. I'm Simon Clark. And I'm Kiri Kermud. Well, we had a wonderful weekend uh, at the Treadalore Sheepdog Trials at Bishop's Court Farm in, uh, in Kurt Michael, courtesy of the Crow family. Three wonderful days of competition from guests from all over the world, Kiri, wasn't it? It's amazing how people are attracted to it, but one of the uh, contenders there, you've seen it on Facebook. I thought it was really well organised, seemed very professional, easy to book, and he came via via social media. Can you believe it? Uh, excellent, and uh, that's how the message gets across, but the committee done a wonderful job getting people from Austria and Italy over there. Twice world champion Alad Owen was there with two dogs. Wonderful display they had on there. So uh, we'll be hearing from that. And uh, you had caught up with the winner on this week's programme. We've got plenty of audio from that. So a couple of weeks, uh, we'll have bits and pieces of all the people we spoke to on the programme. And uh, also, um, of course, we've all seen some great photographs of the Isle of Man, haven't we, from various places. But John Warnham, a retired air traffic controller from Rollsway Airport, he flies drones and takes some wonderful uh, aerial images which give a different perspective of uh, the wonderful scenic uh, photographs that we're used to around the Isle of Man. Oh, this is it. And also with having those pictures come online, it gives people the inspiration to go and explore. Oh, I haven't been there. Or must go and have a look. And and some of the places in the Isle of Man are just stunning, aren't they? We're so lucky. And also maybe if people can't get out and enjoy the countryside for one reason or another, it's a great thing to sit back and watch them on your computer screen. It is that. And you get that uh, different view because you can drive up in your car, I suppose, and uh, people can show you these places. But uh, as you say, the, the less able of, of the people around about, they can go to... To John's uh, website and uh, you know have a look at the images and see see the island from a different uh, different light. Really. It's quite funny how some of the pictures I couldn't even spot where they were, and you know they're really common close to home places too. And it does he's doing a great job there. And it can't be easy flying a drone. No, indeed. So there we go. That's John Warnham and also the Sheepdog Trials, all here on this week's Countryside. So sit back and enjoy. <laughs> Well, the weather didn't disappoint the people coming over to take part in the Isle of Man Treadalure Sheepdog Trials. Kiri did it. Uh, what a wonderful weekend it was. And uh, not too hot, not too cold, but uh, on the Sunday there, the sun shone for the, the final 16. And uh, what an abundance of, of dogs and people are in attendance there too. Yeah, people from Austria, fella uh, from Italy that we caught up with as well. Lots of local support in the event. And what a setting it was, looking over that big field uh, that was, uh, you know, uh, in, in the hands of uh, Richard Crowe from Bishop Scott Farm. It didn't go without its uh, humps and hollows. It must have been quite hard to run the dog across it. But one of the competitors there said it was one of the nicest fields they'd been on. So credit to all of them there at Bishop's Court. Indeed, we've got plenty to fit in. We'll probably have to play some of it next week's programme. But uh, when the final three were announced, third place was twice world champion Alid Owen. Uh, the runner-up on the day was Jed Watson. And uh, when the prizes had been presented, uh, very smart. He looked, he put his tie on then. You caught up with the winner. The champion of the day was Michael Longton from Lancaster. And I caught up with him to see, was he from a farming background? Yes, yeah. Yeah, <coughs> beef and sheep farm up um, just outside Lancaster. Um, so... I spent the morning before I set off on the ferry clipping sheep. So. <laughs> keeping you grounded. <laughs> yeah, keeping me grounded. I would imagine when I get back tomorrow afternoon, I'll be back to the same. This is it. The heat has just come now. And like you say, the pressure's on to get the sheep, the wool off the sheep, isn't yeah, it? It is, yeah. And how have you found this weekend? Oh, it's been great. Really, really good. Um, been well organised. The sheep have been testing, but not too testing all the time. So they've been 
just just how you want them for a trial really and tell us a bit about your dog uh well his, his name's Gwyn. um i've only had him i bought him about february last year so i've had him about nearly 18 months yeah, yeah. um he's very different to what i used to usually run oh right um i usually i tend to go for a rough coated dog and they and they tend to work a little bit different he's quicker so i have to be quicker yeah yeah so yeah. every time i run him i'm learning something <laughs> I bet. Um, so yeah but no he's he's very quick and biddable and um yesterday and today he did everything that i could have wanted him to the day before wasn't so good but really yeah. and do they have off days just like us <laughs> yeah definitely um on friday when i ran him i had a good good start but then going around the drives there was a sheep fighting trying to just just yeah. just on the edge and always just just pushing its the limits and when he has one that does that he wants to fight back which means he doesn't listen as well and then things go go as well as <laughs> they'd, I'd like but then yesterday uh, in the qualifier I had a similar sort of a sheep and he worked it perfectly it's just how they every feel dog, on the day yeah, I suppose, every dog has it? its day this is it yeah. but 18 months that's very very young is it not he, well no he is I bought him trained oh, right, uh, okay, he's, he's about yeah. three so ah, he was right, about eight, yeah. 18 months when I bought him oh right I see um, and do you not find that training them yourself would be an advantage or how do you feel on that because obviously everybody's you know, different yeah, I, choices I usually do train my own but um I'm just going for a bit of a dry spell training them you know they, they can only no matter what they are when this when you're training them they can only get to a certain level themselves yeah, yeah. and at the moment when I've been training them they've not got as, as good as I'd like so right, okay. so I went looking for one and this is the one that I found and with you saying it being a different type do you think that's give it the extra edge you know compared to the dogs you've been used to in the past a little bit yeah because he's he's very very biddable he, he'll do what i ask him very quickly whereas my what i usually would run aren't as quick uh responding to the lefts and the rights they usually just kind of push on a corner whereas he goes a bit squarer and and goes a bit faster yeah. uh, so i have to be on it so that I know the, the, the command for the move comes very quickly followed by the command for the stop. That's it. <laughs> so it is a challenge for the two of you then, yes, really, isn't yes, it? Definitely. But uh, tell, tell the listeners what you actually have to do in a sheepdog trial. You know, what, where are the points scored? Well, um, in the qualifier, there was uh, on the Friday and the Saturday, there's just what we call a standard national style course where we. Hey, hey, hey. Sorry. Bit of a dog fight there. <laughs> um, standard national style course, which is an outrun, uh, lift, fetch, uh, triangular shaped drive, and then back into a shedding ring where usually at a national level, then there would be five sheep, two would have collars and three wouldn't. Here there were four sheep, one had a collar and three didn't. And the shed would usually be two of the three of yeah. the, when it's five, yeah. Yeah. but it was the same, two of the three. But then you pen them and then you go back into the ring and usually it's one of the two. But because it was only one, it made it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, it, it must be so much more difficult. Because as a farmer myself, they run as a bunch. They yeah. run together. And to get a single sheep off on its own yeah. is some task. two, you can be working on one. And then all of a sudden, one yeah. comes at the, be yeah. at the other end. And, and you're like, you've got it. <laughs> but when there's just one and you're working on it, it's, it's quite difficult. I, yeah, to qualify, I had six seconds left. Oh, my. So, so the pressure was, was really on yeah, then. And I, I had a watch on, so I knew what, what my time was doing. Um, and, and, I, and then... 
I managed to get it and six, six seconds left but yeah I made it and then today uh, it's been what, what's called a double gather with an international style shed so you do one gather to the left and then you fetch the sheep into the middle and then the second gather was to the right and then you put them all together and you drive them all around and get into the ring and five there were 16 sheep today and the five of the 16 had collars on and you had to take the let the ones without collars go and keep hold of the five with collars and then put the five with the collars in the pen you can't say this isn't stressful. <laughs> it's stressful when it goes wrong. It's stressful when it goes right. But when it goes right, it feels amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah, like it did this morning. And will the dog sense your stress or your fear or you're running out of time? The, the yeah. voice changes. Can they sense it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if things are going well and everything's going smoothly, then you're calm, you're collected. Everything about what you're doing, the dog responds. As soon as you start getting a bit more anxious, then the dog gets a bit desperate as well. So everything, it all spirals out of control sometimes, yeah. Oh my goodness. But here now, he's jumping all over you. There is a heck of a bond, a massive connection between the two of you. Yeah. Is that pretty important? Yeah, definitely. If, you, if you've got a bond with a dog, then a dog that has a bond with you will give an extra 10 or 20 percent to one that that's not just as well bonded yeah, you know yeah. you, the ones that are bonded with you but they want to they want to please yeah. you they want to help you and they don't like it when they haven't done what you expect because they're unhappy when you get oh, unhappy obviously yeah. and yeah but and will you work this dog at home on your own stock or yeah. will that ruin them for the no, trials no, I, uh, I have about eight dogs myself uh one's retired there's him and another one that's the same age as him, they're both three, that I ran here this weekend. I have another one that I use for work as well. Yeah. Um, and then some pups that are ready for training. Um, so, but yeah, and if they're trained, then they have to, uh, they have to do the work as well. This is it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, they pay their way, certainly, but what a great enjoyment side of agriculture it is to be involved with sheepdogs. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. There's nothing better at uh, uh, the international level. Um, when you you get to the top the you have four grandstands with people sat in them and when you do well when you're stood at the post doing well and the grandstands go quiet behind you oh. there is nothing like it for the the, th wow. the 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 thrill and the hairs on the back of your neck just they go uh, and, and it's just it's like a drug and you just you want to you want to do it again once you've been there once you want to do it again and again yeah. so and what's next for you two uh, i'm actually organizing the english national uh, at the beginning of next month at Meister College near Preston. Oh, no. um, I'm running this one, but not my other one, because uh, the other one didn't get qualified. But I'm, I'm running this one, I'm the local chairman, so I've been, the last 12 months have been hectic. hectic. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, hard work. Yeah. I learned a steep learning curve, more, more than it is with dogs. This is it. Oh, well, wish you all the best anyway, and well, congratulations again, Michael. Thank you. Thanks. That was Michael Longton from Lancaster, the champion of the Trade de Lua Sheepdog Trials. Well, when it was all finished and uh, everything was getting put away, I managed to catch up with one of the organisers of the event, and that was the treasurer of the Treadalore Sheepdog Trials, Kate Brummett. And first of all, she must have been really pleased of how it went. Yeah, I don't think it could have gone any better. The weather's been glorious. Um, the sheep have run well. Difficult, but well. Um, the field's been good. Um, we've had lovely competitors. I think, yeah, a really successful event, and we're really pleased, and hopefully next year can be as good as this year. Yeah, well, we're standing right in the middle of the field now. The sheep are back out in a graze. The gates are still up, yeah. looking beautifully bright, looking fairly new, them. Uh, yeah, they are. They were, um, they've kindly been made by Ian Kelly, who's put them together with um, a donation from the old club who used to run the um, Open, the Manx Open. 
so they um, kindly donated some money so we could have a permanent pen and something we could kind of use for years to come. Now you've had uh, world champions here this weekend, you've had people from Austria, Italy, all over, that must be rewarding. Yeah, definitely. It's it's amazing to see that people actually want to come and visit our island and compete in a trial when they have so many local ones on their doorstep, so for them to come here and compete and to see the sport at the top level on the island is amazing. So. What about the local support? Um, we've had so much local support this year and from NFU and microgaming um, and then lots of local businesses. Skinners, I know they're not local, but they've given us a lot of dog food. So it does it does help because obviously it costs us money to run the event and without local businesses' support, it wouldn't be possible. So we are really grateful for everyone getting behind us and the local com- community coming out and having a watch and, yeah, everyone getting involved. It's been really great. Yeah, well, I suppose that the format doesn't change a lot, I don't suppose, from competition to competition. No. But there are certain rules for, for the scale or national or international, yeah. isn't there? So we've, we ran on a, on a national style course for the first two qualifying days. But then today on the final, where we've had a double gather, so where they have to pick up one packet of sheep, bring them to the middle, then go back, send the dog back and pick up a second packet of sheep, move them together then around the rest of the course and they had to do an international style shed so that's where there's college use and they have to pull the college use off and then pen them so it really is people at the top of the game who are competing and and it was nice to see some of the maybe not as big names in trialing but still doing really well and getting in the final and i suppose in the trialing world you don't get very many because they obviously have the welsh the scottish the irish national and then they all go on to the international so it's nice to have more level playing field for everyone to have a go here there's no tea, like individual area competitions if you like that they have to qualify for so yeah but you must be still enjoying it because you were one of the first weren't you on the on the cheap dog trail all that yeah so 2013 we um started the trail sheep dog trials um and between me and my husband so yeah it's been a little while we had a little bit of a break but no we're back again so hopefully more to come yeah, what about the the main uh, organiser? Obviously, you've got to get a, a judge who mm-hmm. who we've spoke to him, and he's uh, competed for many years, and is sort of glad to come over as well and support it. And uh, people around about uh, get letting the sheep in and out and setting it all up. It's a, a good team effort, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. No, I don't think you could do it single-handedly because it takes so many people on the actual day to make the whole event work. Um, you've got two or three people at the pens letting sheep out you need somebody to take the sheep off when the trial is finished with them obviously make sure the judge is well fed and looked after especially on a baking day like today where especially if to... you're entering it yourself yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously the admin side of things and actually making sure that people have checked in that they're here we know what dogs they're running and any sort of problems yeah it, it takes a, a lot of people to make it all go smoothly and, and that's what it has done this weekend so we're really grateful for, for all the help and one young lad who's never even seen a sheep close up before I think came and I think he's enjoyed himself so and it'd be, it'd be good to keep the momentum going and maybe try and get some local trials back on the Isle of Man as well maybe not at this level but certainly some sort of format where some of the young farmers could perhaps get involved they might have a dog that would do it and have a go and see if we can get a few more people interested and going forward build the support and build the club more I guess.
Kate Brummett, the treasurer of the Treadalure Sheepdog Trials Committee, and what a wonderful uh, event they put on, as we said at the start of that. And we spoke to so many people on the day; we haven't got time to fit them in this week, so uh, we'll put them on on next week's program. <laughs> You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Well, there's loads of fantastic photographs of various areas of the Isle of Man, but one thing that's getting more popular is seeing aerial photographs. And I caught up with a man who's very experienced in that field now and took some wonderful pictures which are available on his website, former air traffic controller at Ronsway Airport, John Warnham. And first of all, I asked him how he got into it. I think because um, I've held on and off a private pilot's licence for some years and I always liked looking at uh, the scenes from above and in the latter days of flying when I was flying around the Isle of Man I'd quite often take a little compact digital camera up with me point it through the, uh, the window of the light aircraft take a few photographs to look when I got back so it was just, um, I've been retired from my full-time employment air traffic control for about four and a half years now and just when I was coming up to retirement these GPS stabilised drones with high quality cameras were becoming available at reasonable costs and I thought I really quite fancy having a go at that and just taking my photography up into the air instead of from ground level. Did you buy the £50 one to start with to get used to? (laughs) (laughs) No, I jumped in at the deep end and uh, I've had three different drones now and I'm happy to say they're all still flyable and uh, the first one I bought though it was just about over £1,000 so with some trepidation, I've never even flown a radio-controlled model before then. I had 20 minutes tuition at the place I bought it from, and then uh, I was launched on my own. And are, are, are they difficult things to control? or It depends. The cheaper ones, funnily enough, are probably much harder to fly than the more expensive ones. Uh, the more expensive ones, like the ones from DJI, like the Phantom and the Mavic, all have GPS stabilisation on them so that uh, one of the lessons that I was taught in my 20-minute flying lesson was if it seems to be doing something wrong, take your fingers off the controls and it should just go into a hover. Then have a think why it isn't doing what you're wanting it to do. And it does, it works. You can just leave it sat there and it will automatically compensate for the wind. It won't move. I've seen people do that when they learn to ride motorbikes, though. Just take your hand (laughs) off the handlebar. Uh It doesn't happen sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose your interest, I suppose, in the aviation side of it and being air traffic control Mm. and moving to the air photography, um, because you do get such a different perspective. We all see postcards all our lives and photographs of special areas, Mm -hmm. particularly around the Isle of Man we're talking about. But to get that different perspective from above... It's it's difficult to put a, an accurate um, location on it sometimes when you're looking at photos, isn't it? You can have a yes. lot of guessing mm-hmm. games. Yes, I've, I've done that a few times, actually. I've put a photograph on Facebook or something and going, so does anybody know where this is? <laughs> and, yes, there's a lot of people will get it, but when you get the different perspective, it's it's good. And you can see sometimes go you can put the drone to a place where you just can't get to. Um, I was flying off Mac Old Head last week, and was able to take it down actually below the level of the cliffs to have a look down there, and there's just no way... You could do it with a helicopter, probably, but it would be awfully expensive. <laughs> it would be indeed. But, I mean, when when you first got the drones and things, obviously you'd be quite well aware, I suppose, of uh, the rules, maybe, of, of 
aviation side of it or does that go out of the window with drone owners i think it does with some drone owners but i think a lot of it is just ignorance that you can go and buy a drone not in a shop here but across you can go and buy it in a shop you can buy it by mail order and fortunately these days most of the uk dealers will put a little leaflet in it called the uk drone code which tells you you know there are laws governing this However, coming from the air traffic control background, I was well aware of all sorts, you know, there's rules and regulations for everything in flying. Mm-hmm. And a drone is legally an aeroplane. It's a, an aeroplane as much as a Boeing 747 is. Really? Um, however, because it's a very small aeroplane, it's exempted from a lot of the rules and regulations. But no, there are about four specific um, pieces of legislation covering drone flying. And you really do need to be aware of it. But a lot of people... I think it's just too easy to buy it and fly it. So um, it's it's good to try and educate people. And the, the Isle of Man a- Aviation Authority are trying to do that. They've got a lot of information on their website now about it. And is, what are the main sort of worries? Contact with other aircraft or privacy laws? The privacy laws are something different. They're exactly the same as anyone with a camera. You know, if you're a press photographer with a long lens... Um, or a drone, the privacy laws are exactly the same. The aviation part of it is mainly for safety of persons and properties. So, sort of the main ones at the moment, you're not supposed to fly above 400 feet above ground level because most manned aircraft won't be flying below 500 feet. Do the, do the drones level. have altimeters and things to tell you how oh, high yeah. they are? Um, on the screen, you're looking at the smaller drones, you'll use to use a, a smartphone to control them on, but. Um, on the bigger ones, you have a dedicated screen on it, and it will show you the picture coming from the camera, all sorts of telemetry data coming back about battery states, how far away from you it is, um, exactly where it is. You've got a little map in the corner to show you where it is over the land, and yeah, the altitude, so you can tell at all times. And most of them, you can put in a maximum altitude, so you can actually put in, before you fly, the maximum altitude is 400 feet, and you get to about 398 feet, and it will beep at you and tell you the maximum altitude is reached, and it will not go above it. Drones with autopilot, eh? Oh, very much so, yeah. yeah. Um, that's where some people, when they fly them newly, will come unstuck. They are a bit like Airbus aircraft. There's lots of different flight laws that apply in different circumstances, and you can people have had them fly away in the past. Really? And yeah. And they've posted on Facebook, one of the specialist groups, and other people have analysed what went wrong, and they went, oh, yeah, you had it in this flight mode, and it gets so far towards you, and it drops out of that flight mode into a different flight mode for various technical reasons, and you think you're pulling the control to bring it towards you, and you're actually flying it away from you. But most of them have an automatic return to home as well. If it loses the control signal, it will come back home. It memorises the position it takes off from, and it will tell you that. It'll when you take it off, it will go home point recorded, and good you fly old, it away. Good job, good old pigeon technology there. Then. And yeah, yeah um, say so if it loses the link, um, it'll bring back. If anything goes wrong for you, one of the emergency procedures is a button on the control box, auto return to home. I've used it once in anger. I've practiced using it a few times, and once um, with the little drone using my phone, the phone battery totally failed on the phone so I was left with no screen and I'm thinking right the best way to do it is just press the return to home button wait till it comes back close and then I'll take over control and land it myself again 
Fantastic. Well, um, the great thing about what you've done um, since you've been flying the drones, uh, John, is the is the pictures are available for the public to see. Yeah, I mean, I've been running the Island Images website since I mean, I came to the Isle of Man in 1990 with the air traffic control job and kind of started taking photographs of this amazing island from then. Um, in 2000, I started the Island Images website and I've been running it ever since then. And it was just a new angle on getting photographs. And I love taking photographs, but I do love sharing photographs. And I'm not really in the photo sales business. But so if I take the photograph, I think it's great to share it with people and let other people have a look at what I've been able to see myself. And has it surprised you, some of the images that comes back, you know, when, you, when you're looking at them afterwards? Not particularly so. Sometimes I go, and that's a really good picture, but in part of the flight planning, because it's it's not, I don't just sort of go, I'll just go here and fly. Um, there's a certain amount of planning goes into all flying. And so I'll use Google Earth to go, this is what where I'm going, this is what I look like. And it's important to identify the hazards. Can I actually fly here? Um, the commercially rated operators in the Isle of Man are allowed to fly within what's known as congested area. So a village, a town, um, other, if you don't have a commercial permission, that is a no-no. You can't fly out of your back garden if you live in a town. Right. So you have to be registered now with the drones when you buy them, do you? No. Uh, in The UK are bringing this in um, from next year. The Isle of Man Aviation Authority has looked at it from the Isle of Man's perspective and at the moment they say they don't see a necessity to register drone owners. Um, there's a, actually a big consultation out at the moment, I think till the end of July possibly, um, that any of the public can go in onto the online site, download copy and say what they think about the rules should be about drone flying in the future. Yeah, have you met anyone who said to you, what are you doing, spying on us or anything like that? Not generally. Um, I've had a th thing where you're supposed to keep 50 metres away from people, as they say wonderfully in the law, not under your control. So if somebody wanders up to you when you're flying... What are you doing, mister? You normally have... <laughs> yeah, if it's away flying, it doesn't matter, but you, it's a bit of a distraction, obviously, when you're actually flying it. But you, you can answer a few questions and that. But you have to go, I'm bringing it back now. The recommendation is you should be, for takeoff and landing, it's less, it's 30 metres. Yeah. You should be 30 metres away. I'm happy for you to stand there. If you're happy to stay there, it's up to you. And most people will go, yes, that's fine. A few people have gone, oh, I'll walk away. Nobody so far has ever come up to me and go, you shouldn't be doing that. But I plan it carefully and I, go, yeah. I can fly here. I want to be able to answer them going, no, I'm doing nothing wrong flying here. Um so preparation seems it's to be the key then, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, because otherwise you will get people who just uh, are willy-nilly and will give it a bad name and <clears throat> goodness knows what rules would come in there. There's plenty it? of footage on YouTube about people doing stupid things. Mm. Um, you know, first flight and they crash it into a wall and going, well, why were you flying it in a confined space with a the wall there on your first flight. <laughs> yes, and there's been ones of the Isle of Man that may be still available on YouTube. Um, somebody flew it uh, along the promenade at a height just above the lampposts and posted, and then across the Villa Marina and posted it on YouTube. <laughs> um, mm. I came across that and mentioned it. I was still working at the time to my boss in air traffic who got in contact with the person and went, 
I think you should look up the rules. <laughs> and the person was very apologetic and hadn't realised right. that that was wrong. But one thing um, you were explaining to me um, just before we started talking was that uh, it's getting they're getting used in agriculture more nowadays as well. Yeah, it seems to be a big thing um, in the UK and the USA particularly. Of um, I was just sort of looking, um, knowing I was coming to this interview and thinking it might be of interest to some of your listeners, um, for flying over fields, taking aerial photography of a field, so you could look at how the crops are growing, are there areas where the crops aren't growing well. Um, there are companies doing automated programs now. You can actually program the drone to fly, probably more in context of UK or USA fields when you've got a vast field. Um, the drone will automate, automatically fly up and down, take all the photographs, which could be visual or infrared photographs, and then it's analysed on the computer later, and the computer will say, you need to fertilise this area better. And it can actually be transferred into farm machinery for spreading fertiliser on the field. Uh, the machine would you know, be driven up and down and vary the amounts of fertiliser. But they're also talking about um, actually planting crops using drones. Hmm. Um, apparently that's the technology is there and people are doing it. And uh, crop spraying using a drone rather than an aircraft. Does it scare you what the future could hold with drones? No. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm inter- I like technology and uh, seeing how it's going. It is changing very rapidly, though. I mean, there's these companies like Amazon that want to deliver your parcels to your door using a drone. Seems a bit more just publicity stunt at the moment, but the technology is possible. They have demonstrated it. And there's a big problem for air traffic control there, is how do you integrate and deconflict all these drones with the other aircraft because mm. at the moment drones don't show up on air traffic control radar systems okay um if anyone wants to view the images that you've been taking around the isle of man for, for these number of years now john when can they where can they see them yeah they can find uh, my website quite easily it's um it's changed its address over the years a little bit um they may sign fine when they go on it looks like a different dress but the easiest way to find it is www island images which is all one word dot im for the Isle of Man and it'll take you straight to the front page and you'll see the various categories of they basically put photos are put on in month month batches and I'll take photographs throughout the months put them on and then there's separate sections for the railways aircraft and the aerial photo- photographs but the aerial photographs go in the main section to start with as well so you see the latest pictures in for instance at the moment in the June section John Warnham there from Island Images, and you can go to the website there and see those wonderful pictures that he's took uh, on the Island Images. Uh, just type it into the Isle of Man, you'll find it on John Warnham's uh, page there, and he's got some wonderful, wonderful pictures and different parts of the Isle of Man different photographs of way you don't really get to with a normal camera and they're fantastic shots he's got and and the trials and tribulations of drone flying some of the rules and regulations that are in place as well of course for for the safety of people and other uh, uh, airplanes in the sky as well but it is such a skill though simon to take any kind of photograph isn't it you, you try and take a picture of a sheep in the field there and you cut its legs off or you miss its tail off. it's so difficult yet to take them from the air and you know fly it around get it the right height and the right colors 
must be a skill on its own. Yes, it is, and they're uh, getting very popular. And uh, as he said, uh, Amazon could be delivering parcels by drones <laughs> in the future, but I don't know. I don't think I'd like to see it quite go that far, to be no, honest. No, this is it. But some of the photographs are of local places that we know well, but from that angle, you really can't tell where they are, can you? No. Go and take a look at John's work there, uh, islandimages.co.uk, I think it is, that website. But uh, as we said, we're, we're a bit stuck for time on this week's countryside, so uh, we'll play some more bits and pieces that we uh, have from the Treadlow Sheepdog Trials on next week's programme. And there we are, uh, plenty of bits and pieces from the Sheepdog Trials and we said there we've got some more uh, to put uh, in the weeks to come from that because uh, obviously uh, the people who've made the journey from different parts of the world and the, the judge on the day we like to get uh, his perspective on, on you know how they judge these things and uh, they all have a different way of looking at it don't they? They really yeah. do and I can't imagine it'd be much splitting some of those uh, competitors up because they are so skilled uh, one lovely lad I will hear in future programmes is Henry Harrison, yeah. 13 or 14 14 years of age, loves his dogs and can't wait to come back. And his dream is to compete in the International of England against all the other countries. And what a lovely man. But he said it's an easier way to get into sheep farming because you don't need the capital, just him and his dog. And, um, you know, it's a little bit easier. Than One man and his dog. This is it. But he's in great company. and I'm sure he would get some great advice and experience from them people there. Oh, absolutely. And even our own local competitors as well. They're right up there. And, and credit to the Isle of Man. Well done. Yeah. And we'll get, uh, of course, you can uh, go to John Warnham's website there, uh, Island Images, and uh, have a look at all those wonderful photographs that John is too. But we'll leave it there for this week's Countryside. We're back next week with more. So from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Comer. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.